inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Thank you for joining a new episode of Time to Shine, and today, after a long time, I'm talking with a champion. This is going to be a fantastic conversation. Our guest today is Cyril Junior Dim. He is a Zimbabwean by descent and was educated as a software engineer in Wrocław, Poland. He has spent the past 13 years mastering the art of public speaking. Cyril's exploits have taken him across all avenues of the spoken word, including theater, stand-up comedy, TEDx, sport commentary, and events hosting. He is most recognized as an achieved competitive public speaker, having won two national championships in two countries in two languages. Siris also holds all four titles, is a two-time continental champion and Toastmasters Internationals 2022 World Champion of Public Speaking. Cyril reverts public speaking as a force for inspiration, growth, and self-discovery. Hello, Cyril. Hey, thank you very much for having me. It's a real honor having you here, and congratulations for becoming the world champion of public speaking this year, 2022. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cyril, we'd like to hear more, uh, more about you and how you became a speaker. How, what was your journey? Well, that's an interesting one. I came from a family, well, I do come from a family of performers. My mother was an actress when I was a kid, and many of my family members have in some way, shape or form been on stage. And so I was on stage the first time at age three, and I was in front of a camera at age four. And I wrote my first speech at age 11. Now, that's where I kind of made the transition from general acting to speech writing. I felt I enjoyed speech writing more because I could speak and perform in my own voice. And from then on, I started entering speech contests and the rest is history. Yeah, super interesting. You started so uh, so small, but um, what kind of speeches you were doing at 11-year 11 year old well actually back then it it would be kind of small assignments that i'd get from my english teacher mm. and i remember my first one for example he just said look it's going to be national tree planting day and i need you to write a speech about trees and so naturally i wrote a tiny speech about trees and i actually had to perform it in front of members of staff in front of high school students And so it started off with really small things like that. This was really before I knew any of the more structured public speaking that I do today. Yeah, so super interesting, actually. <laughs> I think uh, very few people who I've talked in this podcast would have been writing speeches at that age. No, definitely. <laughs> Something else. Like acting is, as you, you started acting, for instance, that, that is more, more common. Yes, as being fantastic, um, I watched your... Your winning speech, uh, which in this August this year, yeah, you won again against well, I don't know, among some thousands of people who who competed for this world championship of public speaking. So it's a fantastic and touching speech that you gave. Well, tell us for the ones who have not watched it, very shortly what it, what it was about, and also 
I would like to hear how was your preparation? So how, how you achieved that? Um, yeah. How you became a champion? What made you to become a champion? What kind of preparation? Right. So my speech was about my struggle with identity. That is, it was born of the fact that I was born in the UK, but I've got mixed ancestry. My father is Nigerian. My mother is Zimbabwean. I grew up in Zimbabwe, but I had a long, complicated Nigerian name and a British accent. I always struggled to find myself and place myself. And I always felt <clears throat> as though I was different. I always felt as though I stuck out. And I got bullied for the things that made me different. Other people were very mean about the fact that I had a Nigerian name. And I came to hate who I was. I came to resent my parents for this complicated identity I had. And it boiled up to the point where I got my name removed, my middle name, the Nigerian one. Mm -hmm. And so the speech really revolves around this struggle that I had and what it is that kind of brought me to the light. And that was moving out of my mother's house and across the world to Europe and discovering that my identity was something to be celebrated rather than hidden. And when it comes to preparation, especially for the contests, I would say my ultimate currency is time. We needed to make sure that we had these speeches ready in time so that we could test them amongst various audiences. And so, of course, there was a window where we were doing speech writing and we had the script. And then there was this huge, huge chunk of time where we were simply trying out the speeches in Toastmasters, outside of Toastmasters, trying out pieces of the speech here, pieces of the speech there, just to see how people reacted to different parts of their speech. And it's interesting that during the preparation window, we had way more than two speeches written. We, we had about five speeches. And we knew that from these five, we needed to pick one for the semifinals and one for the finals. And so when it came down to it, we chose the most entertaining speech for the semifinals and the most inspirational speech for the finals. And that was my strategy going into the contest. Yeah, I can see that. Very, um, very well prepared, having five speeches and, and of course, making as as good as possible all of them to have all of them, or at least as the, the two that you use in the end, semifinal and final, real winning speeches so how long when, when you started having um, um yeah participating in speech contests in toastmasters international so how how long since you started okay so i officially became a member of toastmasters international in 2018 and interesting enough imagine i joined toastmasters on friday mm -hmm. my first contest was the next wednesday <laughs> and it was a humorous speech contest. So it was it was in the fall of 2000, the autumn of 2018. That's when I entered. It was the humorous speech contest and the table topics contest. Those were the two contests I ever put, the first two contests I ever took part in in Toastmasters. So you were ready to compete already. <laughs> to be honest, when I joined Toastmasters, I, you know, all I knew about public speaking was the contests. You know, in Zimbabwe, when I competed, we would have Toastmasters as the judges. 
And so when I left that system of contests, I sort of knew intuitively that, well, Toastmasters is what happens next. And all I really wanted, all I really wanted out of Toastmasters was to compete and to prove to myself that I was the best or something like that. Of course, this changed over time. Uh, but yes, to your point, yes, when I joined, I joined for that contest. Mm. Oh, you're, you're very, very interesting. So you were already uh, having some other type of speech contest before, before Toastmasters. That's right. That's right. Excellent. And and yeah, as I, as I can as I see in in your case, you started Toastmaster already with a with a goal of. Um, Yeah, being champion or reaching as as far as you can, of course, also the aim to be the champion. And I'm sure that through the years that you have been competing and making speeches, you started making speeches at 11, you've been building and building, improving your skills. So what would you say are the your main skills I mean, among everything that you can learn in, in public speaking? What are the top skills that you believe are the, the strongest in you and the ones that by mastering have helped you to to become a champion oh oh this one i'm going to brag i'm i'm really just going to brag <laughs> i am the absolute absolute best i am top in the world my number one skill unbeatable unquestionably the best is that i am coachable it's mm. It's that if I'm sitting with someone who's more experienced, I am able to build a relationship of trust with them and apply their feedback, forget myself, forget my ego, forget the way I look at things. And I'm really able to sit with a coach and say, I trust you and I'm going to listen to you. And this is the kind of relationship I built with my mentor. She is in Germany. We've never met physically, but she would always she would always have these keen insights you know it's it's like a game of chess if you're looking at two people playing you can see much more than they see when they're on the board and that's the same thing when i'm writing my speech i have this one dimensional view of it and she would bring in the extra dimensions that i needed and each time she would give me a piece of advice i remember i'd always say this one phrase and she loves it when i say it i would say i can do that And that was sort of a promise. I had heard the feedback, I had received the feedback, and I was going to apply the feedback. Mm -hmm. I think too many times people think of public speaking as a function of talent. And I mean, to some extent, talent is involved. But growth as a speaker is equally important, and you cannot grow if you're not coachable. Talent can only take you so far. And the ability to sit down, listen to someone more mature than you, you know, let go of your ego and apply that feedback for your own good. I think it sometimes becomes the difference maker in a good speaker and a great speaker. So this is the one skill I would say pushed me across the line. When I competed the, for the first time in 2018, it was more of an ego trip. It was mostly Cyril. And naturally, I didn't go very far. When I built a team around me and I started listening to them and I built a relationship of trust with them, Their inputs made me a better speaker, and that's how that's how I cracked it in the end. Oh yeah, that's very interesting. That um, that an answer that yeah I would rarely hear that type of answer. 
but yeah, I understand pretty well that uh, you said being coachable and making sure that you have a coach, someone who is much more experienced than you and he, he will help you on that. It sounds like uh, you had, you became like that at some point. So you were competing and more individually, let's say, and then you you understand that this is important. How how that happened? How when did you decide? Okay, no, I need to be the, this coachable uh, uh, champion. That's a good question. You know, I think it happened progressively over mm -hmm. time. Sure. Because each time I lost a contest, I think it was a cycle for me. There would be the evening of the contest. I would be at home, sad, despondent. I would think about quitting. And then the next morning I'd wake up and say, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I'm going to try again. And it would be like this Rocky Balboa moment where I go back to the drawing board and start thinking of a next speech and something like that. And when I, when I got into this cycle and I, I got more exposed to other people who had already won or other people who mm -hmm. were helping others to win. In my case, I think what really pushed it was that my mentor, she reached out to me. And so I think if it wasn't for her, I would have, I would still be on that journey to understanding what it's really about. But she reached out to me and she said, look, I see a lot of potential in you and I think we can work together. And so she became a catalyst. And as we were working together, she really made it clear that she would not view me differently if I didn't win. She said, you're still the same Cyril. You're still as valuable. You're bigger. You've grown. So I don't care if you win or lose. I just care if you win in your own voice. And that changed everything. So the attitude changed from that moment because I started to see that she had a wisdom that not many people have when it comes to competitions mm -hmm. and It was really sobering to work with her over the years to kind of fix this trait in my personality. Yeah, fantastic. It's, it's right when you are, um, let's say you win the club contest or the next level, you are, so people meet you, you, you have the opportunity to meet people who are a good level, people who have been coaching orders. That's true. You get, you receive advice no, from several people, good and bad advice you received at that time. But yeah, it's, it's fantastic that... Uh, Your coach approached you, and you found a, a yeah an amazing coach. As, as I can see, the the way you are expressing about here that who who helped you on this. Absolutely. But if still you can share other other skills that uh, let's say the most most common skills that many of the champions have, and some some others that you have used. What other skills I think okay. are good on on you right now? Right. Right. So for sure, you're going to need a high degree of, let's, let's call it emotional maturity, because especially in a contest, the stakes are high, the pressure is high, and I've seen it happen, and it's happened to me that speakers kind of convince themselves that, look, it's not going to happen, and they give up before they even go on stage. I say it happened to me because... When I went for the semifinals for the first time in 2020, I had the great misfortune of being speaker number one. Now, <laughs> in and of itself, nothing wrong. You're speaker number one, fine. But mentally, that registers with many speakers. They don't want to be the first guy to go out there and set the bar. 
And unfortunately, I was in this group. I felt this great amount of pressure. Goodness me, I'm speaker number one. And without knowing it, before I had even gone on stage, I had convinced myself that things were not going to work out because I was speaker number one. So to do well, especially when the stakes are that high, you're going to need a great deal of emotional maturity, the ability to compose yourself, the ability to talk to yourself and tell yourself, look, everything's going to be all right. And the ability to stand tall, even though on the inside you want to crumble. So that's very important. On a more technical level, the ability to tell a story is indispensable. The most memorable speeches we will ever hear tell a story because a story gives us a place to insert ourselves in the speaker's narrative. And so to that end, every winning speaker, I feel, should have a good reserve of stories that they can take and convert into speeches. And then, of course, on the delivery front, I believe this is a function of exposure to the stage. The more you're on stage practicing, the more videos of yourself you watch, then you're more physically aware of how you use time and space. And all of that comes together to make a speaker who has what many people call presence. Many people are like, you've got this presence on stage. And when you hear somebody being told that, it means they are emotionally in control. It means that they are compelling and solid in the story they tell and that they're physically aware of how they use time and space. And I believe those three things make anybody a very convincing speaker. Mm. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Thanks for sharing also that part of your, yeah, the preparation and how uh, the speaker you have become and why you uh, became the champion. If I can ask you why, is, what do you do next? Because now you became the champion in Toastmasters. So in terms of uh, public speaking, what is next for you? Well, I believe now it's time to give back. I have spent a great amount of my public speaking career taking and taking and taking. It's really been all about me so far. And when I look back, I may have missed it at the time. I have been given so much, you know, by people who didn't even have to, people who just looked at me and made the conscious decision to invest in me. And I think I owe it to the world to give that energy back, to invest back in someone as somebody else invested in me. So to that end, I am branding myself as a professional speaker, but as part of my persona, as part of this whole career, I'm looking for any opportunity to do outreach initiatives that target schools, that target students, that target disenfranchised members of communities and stuff mm. like that. Very recently, for example, I had the unique, unique joy of speaking to some 800 students in the University of the Philippines. And you can't, you can't put a label on that feeling. It's, it's special to see that this work you're trying to do to give back is touching so many hearts. And I don't know what my workshop did for people they do and they will carry that message with them wherever they go so that's my plan right now really to give that value back into the world well excellent i'm sure you will hear more about in the future so the this um fantastic speaker that you have become and with this mission that you have now so definitely we're going to hear about cyril junior dim in the future and 
many places in the world, as I can see, Philippines, many places in the world. Fantastic. Cyril, could you now share with us what is your favorite quotation? Ah, favorite quotation. Jeez, that's a, that's a difficult one. There's <laughs> <laughs> quite a few, but right now, what comes to mind is uh, the only thing that is necessary for the success of evil men is for good men to stand to sit and say nothing. I believe that's how it goes. The only thing that is necessary for the success of evil men is for good men to sit and say nothing. Uh, I don't, I don't remember who that is, by the way. Jeez, it's right on the tip of my tongue. But yes, I believe as a speaker that that speaks to me. It reminds me that I have a responsibility. Yes, yeah, definitely. It's a it's a really good one. It's clear clear message. Um, yeah, I don't know who is who is the author. I have read that before as well, but I don't remember the author either. I need to look that up. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. So, could you recommend us one book that has been inspiring, inspiring, or influential for you? Well, one of my mentors from the past. I, I think I can give that one first. He recommended Dale Carnegie's "How to Win Friends and Influence People." I think, from a speech writing, storytelling perspective. It is a very, very good teacher of how people think. You read that book and you understand how people think. And if you understand how people think, it's easier for you to be relatable. It's easier for you to speak so that they want to listen and so that they actually start to like you. So How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie is a good read. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a classic. Absolutely, I, I read it already some time ago, and, and it's a fantastic read. Thank you for that. And please now share with us something practical, um, something that we could do regularly. What does what we call a routine to shine? All right. So before you go to bed every evening, take five minutes out to write down what was the most story worthy moment from your day this is a lesson i learned from matthew dix and what this will do is first of all it will remind you that you have a very interesting life and there are stories in your life that are worth telling the second thing that it will do is it will remind you of stories from your past and these stories can be converted into tools of teaching you can use these stories as speeches as anecdotes you can write them down and publish them and last but not least it's going to ensure that your memories are not lost to time and memory it happens so many times that the day just goes by and then another day comes and then another day comes and then before you know it if i ask you what were the high points of last year Probably the only thing you remember is your vacation, New Year's Day, and all the holidays. But that's not to say that they're not some golden moments in between. And you can capture those golden moments if you habitually write down what the most story-worthy moment from your day was. So write one, one the main story-worthy moment of, of your day. Okay, yeah? Hmm. Absolutely. It's a good one. As, as you said, yeah, sometimes people ask you what was the best of last yeah, last year or some period of time and you <laughs> sometimes you your your mind is just blank or you remember the the bad things that happened. 
So Certainly, it's yeah. it's an excellent exercise and very useful for uh, at the time you need to make a speech, a talk presentation, you will have the stories written there. Well, thank you so much for for sharing your your fabulous story, how you prepare for being the champion of this year and everything that you are doing. Please let us know how people uh, can follow you or get in touch with you. What are the best ways for that, Cyril? Absolutely, absolutely. So you can find my website is www.cyriljuniordim.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook as Cyril Junior Dim. Very easy to find. You can email me at dini, as in my winning speech, dini at cyriljuniordim.com to book me, invite me to speak, or something of the sort. I also put a very comprehensive list of the offers I have to speak and perform on my website, so you can check those out as well. Of course, I'm also publishing my videos on YouTube, but I'm pretty sure by now you've probably looked for those already, so that's me. <laughs> Fantastic. Again, it was a pleasure talking with you, Cyril, and all the best. Thank you very much for having me. It's been lovely. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Do me a favor. Have you read my book, Rock the Tech Stage? Please go to Amazon.com and leave me a review. I appreciate all your support. Keep shining and the next time... <laughs>